We give a warm welcome to everybody this evening, those who are here and those who are with us online. And we pray that the Lord will bless our time together, our fellowship and our study of his word. We're going to begin by singing in the words of Psalm 105. In the traditional version of the psalm, Psalm 105 and singing verses 1 through to verse 7. Psalm 105 at the beginning of the psalm. Give thanks to God, call on his name, to man his deeds make known. Sing ye to him, sing psalms, proclaim his wondrous works, each one. See that ye in his holy name to glory do accord, and let the heart of every one rejoice that seeks the Lord. And singing on to the end of the verse, Mark 7, five stanzas, give thanks to God, call on his name.
Shall we join together in prayer? Let us pray. We give thanks, O Lord, unto Thee, the God of grace and of mercy, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Israel. Thou hast gathered us together toward the close of this Thine own day, and we pray that in our gathering we would experience the influence of Thy Holy Spirit, bearing upon our hearts and our consciences, so much so that we may be found in the Spirit of Christ, calling upon Thee, that Thou wouldst continue to show mercy toward us, for we deserve nothing from Thee, for Thou dost know our hearts, Thou dost know everything about us, and we do thank Thee, our God, that although this knowledge that we are aware of is fearful, yet, O Lord, it also has that element about it that speaks so clearly to hearts and souls that have been quickened and brought nigh by the blood of the everlasting covenant. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And we pray that we may be found, each and every one of us, amongst those for whom the gospel of Jesus Christ is a very, is a, an ever-liberating influence upon us. O Lord, we pray that in all our awareness of Thee we would recognize the sinfulness of sin that can so often envelop our hearts and our lives. We pray that Thou would show mercy toward us, whether we, not that we are deserving of it, but we believe that without Thy mercy, O Lord, we are poor and needy. We commend to Thee, O Lord, all that is done in Thy name for Thy cause and kingdom in our hearts and in our lives and throughout the whole world. Blessed be thy name, that thy gospel has been proclaimed not only here but also throughout the land and to the uttermost parts of the earth. May its influence be felt by many, and especially upon those, O Lord, who walk in darkness and in unbelief and godlessness in all their idolatry. Open to them the word of life, we pray thee, and not only so, but will thou not open their ears that they may hear and understand that the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is for sinners whom he is calling through his word to come unto him and to believe and to repent. And we pray too that the influence of thy truth would bear upon us all that those of us who have found solace in Christ might be found longing for him day by day as the psalmist said one thing I desire of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple we pray thy blessing upon us as a denomination we commend all the congregations to thee and we pray that thou wouldst be a blessing upon thy servants whom thou hast called into the ministry of thy word. 
be mouth matter and wisdom to them and do thou help them O Lord as they seek to labour for thee and may they know that their labour is not in vain in the Lord we commend to thee those O Lord who are preparing for the ministry for all the students Lord be near to them and do thou be an encouragement to them every day bless those who teach them and bless the congregations that they may be part of as they seek to prepare for the ministry Lord we thank thee for our denomination for all its history, for all its past and we pray that in the present age in which we live whatever might be the trials and the tribulations we pray that we would recognize that what we are about is doing the will of him who loved us and who gave himself for us. We would ask of thee, O Lord, to be a blessing upon our own congregation and all that it seeks to do to advance thy kingdom within the congregation, within all the families of it and also throughout the whole community. We thank thee for the work done amongst young and old alike. We pray for the Sabbath school and the dolphins. We pray too for the youth club. We pray also, O Lord, that thou wouldst grant blessing unto each and to every one who come under the sound of the gospel, no matter how young they are. We pray that they might be taught of thee and encouraged by thee. So, Lord, bless us as a congregation. In a rising generation, we pray that thou wouldst help them. So continue with us, O Lord, we pray, and do thou guide us by thy Spirit. May the love of Christ constrain us, for we ask it in his name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Psalms and Psalm 40. And we're going to read verses 1 to verse 11. Psalm 40 from verse 1 I waited patiently for the Lord He inclined to me and heard my cry He drew me from the pit of destruction Out of the mighty bog And set my feet upon a rock Making my steps secure He put a new song in my mouth The song of praise to our God Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his who makes his Lord, the Lord his trust, who does not return to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them. Yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told you the glad news of deliverance. 
in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And so on, and may God bless to us that reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 63. Psalm 63 from the Sing Psalms version, page 80. We're singing verses 1 through to verse 6. O God, you are my God alone. I seek your face with eagerness. My soul and body thirst for you in this dry, weary wilderness. I see you in your holy place, your power and glory held my gaze. Far better is your love than life, and so my lips will sing your praise. And so on to the end of verse March 6. O God, you are my God alone.
Our New Testament reading is taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians and chapter 4 and reading at the beginning of the chapter. Therefore my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. I entreat Eodio and I treat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help those women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, you have revived, sorry, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatsoever, whatever state sorry, whatever situation I am in, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrance, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory 
in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. <coughs> and may God bless to us that further reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. Shall we join together again in a word of prayer? Let us pray. O eternal and ever-blessed God, we do thank Thee that Thy Word is a testimony to our hearts and souls, a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path, so that as we sojourn through this life, with all its ups and downs, with its many problems and difficulties, may we find ourselves truly content with Thee, for all that thou hast done and wrought for us and in and through us, through the gospel of thy grace. It is to our shame that we are not what we should be, and we know that we come far short of thy glory. But we do thank thee that thou hast not left us in the waste howling wilderness, neither hast thou given us over to the mind of the reprobate, but rather with the cords of thy love thou hast brought us out of darkness into the liberating influence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore we pray that thou wouldst help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us to look unto him day by day, confessing who is a God like unto thee who passes by the transgression of the remnant of thine heritage. O Lord, we pray that the influence of each and every one of us would bear upon those with whom we come in contact day by day. We live in troublesome times and in our own nation especially. We know that we look across to other many nations in the world and the turmoil that exists politically, socially, and in so many other ways. But yet, O Lord, help us to be alert to the situation in our own land, our own country, that once emulated the things of Christ, who stood by the word of God. And although there is, to a degree, some lip service given to that word, Yet, O Lord, in the practice of our life as a nation, we come so far short. Lord, we pray that thou would continue to raise up those who would enter into government and into political arena, who love thee and who desire that the things of Christ would be brought to bear upon our nation. For our own nation in Scotland here, we pray too that Thou would show to it the way. Lord, we know that there is activity going on for the election of a new leader in our parliament. And we pray for those who are involved in it. 
especially we remember Kate and her family and we pray that thou hast give her the strength that she requires and will require O Lord give her to know that in submitting everything to thee she is that great benefit that the Lord will not leave her and he will not forsake her O Lord we pray for others who are like minded with her and they would hold their voices aloft not fearing what man can do but fearing only thee the living and the true God may this be true of all, us, of all of us O Lord and do thou help us we pray thee to walk by faith and not by sight go before us then forgiving all offence loving us in Jesus Amen We're going to sing now in Psalm 27 in the Scottish Psalter Psalm 27 and we're going to sing verses 4 to verse 7 One thing I of the Lord desired and will seek to obtain that all days of my life I may within God's house remain that I the beauty of the Lord behold may and admire and that I in his holy place may reverently inquire. And singing on to the end of the verse March 7 One thing I of the Lord desired. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I'd like us this evening, seeking the Lord's enabling, to turn with you to the words of Paul to the Philippians in chapter 4, and reading from verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatsoever, whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing pl- plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And if I want to take one statement out of that, it's a very well-known statement of the Apostle, where he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. It's a massive subject, Christian contentment because we only have to look into our own hearts and lives and seek to try and answer the question do I exercise Christian contentment how is it demonstrated how is it viewed from the world that is looking in upon my life and upon your life when you take someone like the great Apostle Paul and when you listen to what he is saying here and the strength and the depth of what he is saying it's quite amazing I think that we would all agree as Paul says elsewhere you know how our shortcomings are great but in this as the Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippians What he is seeking to do is to try and encourage the Philippians to remember that their way of life as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are not things that can necessarily be standardized by looking at the life of anybody else. But rather, as he would say earlier on in this epistle, that this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and so on for the apostle over these many years and there is no doubt that this epistle has been written at a time when his years are very far spent In fact, he he writes to Timothy and he speaks elsewhere about, you know, how he feels that maybe the day is far spent for him. But he knows, assuredly, that there is something laid up for him, a crown of of righteous judgment which God will give to him. But he's not being presumptuous in that. Because he is a man of God, A man of God who would acknowledge, as he did to the church at Rome, where he said, you know, he says he has come short, and more than that, 
he recognises that as a believer in Christ he has done many things that are an offence to God he is not hiding his, his head he's not burying his head in the sand he's realistic he knows where he has come from and when you think of the beginning of his ministry there is so much there that would cause us just to almost stand back and ask ourselves where am I in this? because after all we saw all of Tarsus as he was known then when he was one who was seeking to destroy the church and the followers of Christ he was met as he was journeying on the road to Damascus to exercise authority against the Christian believers and he was confronted by Christ and that was an amazing event for him not every one of us can say we have a Damascene experience but every one of us who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ knows what we once were and what we are now by the grace of God but what's very interesting at the very outset of Paul's ministry and his whole calling and I'm sure each and every one of us would shudder to think that my commitment to Christ by the grace of God was going to have this unfolded in my life that we were going to suffer for the gospel's sake remember what Jesus said to Ananias he said I'm going to show him Ananias was concerned that this man he couldn't understand why he was being favor why Christ was being favorable to Saul but Jesus said to Ananias I'm going to show him what things he must suffer for the gospel's sake now if you knew that at the very beginning of your life in following Jesus how do you think you would react would you say it's not for me I didn't think that seeking to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ was going to have this about it that I was going to suffer there didn't seem to be any comfort or consolation told to Ananias about Saul only this that he was going to suffer and that's true that was his experience he suffered and he suffered greatly imprisoned beaten stripes hated everywhere around him and you might have thought well why are you carrying on Paul why do you want to carry on with this kind of burden this way of life in which it is going to be nothing but suffering if you and I were told that from today that the rest of our life was going to be one of suffering one of tragedy how would you take it would you accept it 
Or would you believe that what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing in you and for you is not just for our sake, but it is for his glory, for the integrity of the gospel. Here the Apostle Paul is responding to the kindness of the Philippian church. A kindness that is demonstrated so clearly by Paul's thankfulness for what they have done for him. But he doesn't want them to receive his appreciation of everything he has received simply because, you know, he was in want or in need. Paul knew that they, they knew what he was in need of in many respects. But Paul's concern was more for them that the gift that they had sent to him, this, this beautiful gift, this fragrant gift, was going to benefit to their account by God in the day of judgment. But what underlines all of this and Paul's response to the Philippians and his concern, whether it be the Philippian church, the church of Galatia, or Corinthian church, whatever the church might be, his one great concern is that they would know what it is to be content. There's the rub. There is the rub. And can I truly say, hand on heart, that this night, with all the providences that surround me, I am content. I want to ask ourselves, what do we think it is that makes Paul content? From a human perspective, it cannot be his circumstances, although at one level it is, because he is a believer in Christ. He has been redeemed, he's been saved, he's been set free from the condemnation. It's not because of his present condition that he's necessarily content. After all, he's writing this from prison. Some have suggested it might have been an open prison, but still, he was imprisoned. But his contentment doesn't lie in the things that you and I would suggest are the important things of life. The material things. That's not what's important. Oh yes, the fragrance sent to him, that was important from, his, from the human's perspective. But not at the end of the day, that wasn't going to make him content in itself. If you and I are content with just the things that we almost take for granted, everyday circumstance, everyday things, then there is something far wrong with us. He says to us, I've learnt in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And that surely tells us something of the whole credibility of the Apostle Paul's ministry. He acknowledged, as you and I do even now, that we are on a learning curve. From the first day that we came to faith in Christ, 
we began to learn. It wasn't that we were fully fledged. It's not that we were totally sanctified. It's not that every word that we ever spoke could be spoken with this assurance that there is nothing wrong in me or that there is no shortfalls in my life's experience. If you take, and you'd have to spend a lot of time looking through the ministry of the Apostle Paul to find out, you know, what was it he was taught? I think one of the first things he was taught was this. Get rid of self-assurance. After all, the great Apostle Paul, or should I call him, the great Pharisee before he came to faith in Christ, he knew exactly what he was. He knew what he believed. He believed in his own terms of what righteousness was. After all, as he said himself, I'm a Pharisee. Circumcised the eighth day. Everything about me has got all this collateral, all this blessing as he saw it. But he didn't have Christ. So he was basically, however religious he might have been, he was empty, an empty vessel. He had nothing. And if anything that Jesus taught him and showed to him from the very beginning, that there was nothing in Saul of Tarsus that had anything to commend it to Christ whatsoever. In fact, it only deserved, he was only deserving of Christ's condemnation. Christ could have turned against him, but he didn't. Because Christ had a purpose. In the same way as he has a purpose for you and for me, if we are chosen by God, if we've been redeemed, if we've been set free. Jesus said, yes, I will show him how things, how much he must suffer for the gospel's sake. That was the beginning of a learning curve. Saul had to be emptied of self. And that's the process that is going on for you and for me. We are being emptied of self, or at least we should. Is there any suggestion within ourselves? Do we think to ourselves, not according to truth, but according to our circumstances or our surroundings, or maybe other people? Is that the gauge of my contentment? Did I all of a sudden, when I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, found total contentment? You might have thought you did. And yes, please, I take nothing away from that day, as it was for an experience of Saul of Tarsus having met with Jesus. His was a, did I say it, a very hard and almost harsh experience. He was blinded. But, as for you and for me, when the Lord brought us out of that pit, out of that dungeon, 
out of that state of unbelief what was he doing well he was preparing you and I for a purpose maybe not to suffer in the way that Saul of Tarsus or Paul the great apostle had to suffer all the days of his ministry but it wasn't because he suffered so much that made him content it wasn't because of that much more than that listen to what he says to the Galatians chapter 2 towards the end of that chapter he gives this great announcement it's the same thing that you and I might have said the day that we came to faith in Jesus he loved me and he gave himself for me his contentment was in the very fact that Jesus loved him that is the great children's hymn which I think is always beautiful but maybe it's not always noted by us Jesus loves me this I know because the Bible tells me so I wonder how much these words might just tip over the top of our head and mean very little but when you think what was revealed to this Saul of Tarshish by Jesus Saul, Saul why persecutest thou me Jesus hit a chord in that man and all of a sudden Saul of Tarshish knew what he was whatever he thought he might be whatever you and I think we might be there is one thing sure contentment doesn't come from self-assessment no it comes from truth from Jesus Christ the righteousness of Christ imputed to us Saul knew that he was hell deserving the moment that Jesus spoke to him in the way that he did why are you persecuting me why are you persecuting my people well just as it is today even for every one of us we think we are doing right but all the time maybe we can be doing wrong and we come under the reality of the truth of the gospel I've learnt says Paul no matter what state I am therewith to be content whatever state it's fine if we are living healthy lives there is no dark cloud in our experience there's no trouble to force us down maybe we can say yes I feel quite content I've got all the goods that I need as a modern man or woman so I feel quite content but the moment that persecution would come or arise in our experience the moment the trouble would come upon us we would know only too well ah, what is the depth of my contentment what am I hanging on to what do I really believe in do I believe in the substance of the gospel of Jesus Christ as applied 
to a poor wretched sinner. O wretched man, said Paul to the church at Rome, O wretched man. Now none of us wants to think that we're wretched. We might want to think that other people think that we are goody-goody. But we don't necessarily accept our wretchedness. But that was part and parcel of Paul's experience of learning contentment. Because he knew that he wasn't what he should be. But he knew what he was by the grace of God. By the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what he is saying here. I, both, I, bo I know both how to abound, to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. All of these things are the experience of all of us. But in the midst of it all, can we say, yes, I'm content. I'm content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean to say that I'm some kind of Charles Atlas figure. Pardon the histrionics. It doesn't mean to say that, that I'm some superior being. Far from it. But, as Paul would say elsewhere, when I am weak, then am I strong. Not because of something inbuilt in me, not because of some heritage I have through some genetic code in my life. No, none of that. It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, who cleanses me from all sin. Have you ever faced a dilemma? And I'm sure you have. There are very few people here who have never faced a dilemma of one sort or another. And have you said to yourself, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through? Well, as one who has experienced something of this learning, cover, a learning curve of contentment, I'm sure you would say, and you would have to say, that Lord Jesus Christ has strengthened me. He has upheld me. He has upheld me. I can do all things. I can believe. I can cast my every care upon him because he cares for me. I'm lacking in nothing. Whatever this world may see. I was reading an article the other day about the American a type of evangelism, modern day evangelism, which speaks of, you know, if you're believers, you should be thinking in terms of what benefits are the gospel to you in terms of wealth and status in society. Bad idea. Very bad idea. My status is bound up with my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18, But I have all, and abound, 
I am fool, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, and over it a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Through every experience of my life's journey, whatever is before me, whatever has been behind me, I look forward, and as Paul would say, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Without him, I have nothing, and I can do nothing. I think the experience of the Apostle Paul concerning his learning to be content is something that we should all that we should all consider and contemplate and ask ourselves daily at particular points in our daily activities am I content what makes me content is it what Christ has given me remember what Paul says Timothy, I think it was. What he's begun in you, he will perform it even unto the end. I don't have assurance that I can somewhere or another leap every fence or every wall or every, any object at all that is in front of me and I can cope with it and I can get there. No. But Christ will get me there. Do you believe that? Do I believe it? It's not in our own strength. Not in our strength at all. <coughs> Let me read some of these words that we've already sung in Psalm 40. Where the psalmist says, One thing I desire of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days. Sorry, Psalm 27, I'm meaning... I will dwell in the days of the house of, I, would, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's my anchor. That's my holding place. I have no security outside of Christ, none whatsoever. In fact, as we would say from what the psalmist says at the end of 40, Psalm 40, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord thinks upon me. Beautiful words, beautiful statement, but it is a statement of contentment, knowing that our God will supply all our needs out of his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know what the Apostle Paul was going through in prison in Rome. None of us here would like to have been in that situation. But could we say, as with the Apostle, I'm content with the way things are? Or do we struggle with contentment as a Christian? Do I really struggle? Because I don't know how to apply myself in particular situations. They come at me and you wonder to yourself, 
How can I cope? But Paul says there's only one way. Through Christ who strengthens me. Shall we pray? O eternal and ever-blessed God, we do thank Thee that Thy grace is our sufficiency. We have nothing outside of Thee. And Lord, whatever might be the clamoring of this world, whatever may even be the desires of our hearts at times, as we live in a world that is so materialistic, Help us, we pray thee, that whether we are full or whether we are empty, whether we are hungry or whatever state we are in, help us to be content, for we have Christ in our sides, in our side, and we know according to his own promise, he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. And more than that, what he has begun in us, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Go before us then, we pray, the undertake for us, forgiving all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 85 in the traditional version. Psalm 85, and we're going to sing from verse 6 to verse 13. Psalm 85, at verse 6. That in thee may thy people joy, will thou not us revive? Show us thy mercy, Lord, to us, to thy salvation give. I'll hear what God the Lord will speak. To his folk he'll speak peace and to his saints, but let them turn not ter- let them not turn return to foolishness. And to the end of the psalm, but in thy, thee may thy people joy.
to know me grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you and with all the Israel of God both now and always.